He always seems to get involved, doesn't he? I'm telling you, too many coconuts have hit him right on top of the skull. Well, I think uh, Anthony will be a great acquisition. He can do it all. Avery, whose show is this? Multiple things here can be true. Will I ever be able to relate to somebody who is capable of jumping 40 inches into the air? Of course not. Like, I can't do that on a trampoline. But do I, do I think that basketball is this neuroscience that only neuroscientists can understand? No, obviously not. Because there are a whole bunch of really, really bright people who analyze this thing at a really high level um, who didn't, who don't have that experience in their back pocket. Uh, I, I, I all, but I, I think a combination of those two approaches are good. Like, I think it's, I, I think the best front office sat slash player relationships are those where a front office looks at the sport in a certain way and looks at asset management in a certain way, and then also empowers the player to feel like their their voice matters, right? Because eventually if a player, especially a star, doesn't feel like their voice matters, well, they're going to look for a situation where it does. Um, and, and, and I think what we're seeing here with Kevin Durant and with LeBron is that that has swung too far in the direction of LeBron and Kevin Durant dictating how these things go. The other, the other aspect of this, um, that I think is worth kind of thinking about is like you mentioned younger players watching how these things play out and how that's going to impact yeah. the direction that all this goes. LeBron, Kevin Durant, no matter how you feel about them off of the court, no matter how you feel about them as leaders and what the jobs that they have done as general managers, they are this generation's two best players, I think. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, it's those two, and then it's a gap, and then you can kind of make an argument for third. And, and I think, well, I think, I think Steph has probably stepped into that third slot, and then you start the conversation about fourth. But I think as these players, these young players especially, have watched this play out, Kevin Durant and LeBron's brands have taken hits. Uh, because of the misses that they've made as pseudo GMs. And I kind of wonder if part of whether this is the end of star empowerment as we know it, or at least the trajectory that star empowerment was on, part of that equation here is future stars saying, oof, yeah, I saw that. (laughs) I saw how that played out. I'm good. (laughs) I mean, a lot of this, I think a lot of this just gets into what personalities they have. Yeah, and I think it also depends on what lessons they learn. Like this is like if people mo- feel like this about LeBron and feel like this about Kevin Durant, how are they going to feel about me? And I'm not right. at that at Level. that tier. Yeah, uh, well, that, that's one of the things I was kind of pointing out on Twitter is like Kevin Durant is one of maybe 50 people in the world who's so good at his job that he doesn't get laughed out of the room if he goes yeah. in there and demands that the person that did what he wanted gets fired because of the consequences of doing the things that he wanted. Like, yeah, that's how good you have to. Which he is. He absolutely is that good. Mm-hmm. Um. I think what's another thing that is important to talk about here is, is the lessons that you learn along the way, which is here. Here's there's like, again, history is important. Um, Kevin Garnett trusted. Mm -hmm. 
the people in charge of the wolves. Like he trusted them. Yeah. And in 2010, when they knock out LeBron, there's a scene on court where LeBron and Katie and KG hug and KG yeah. in his ear talking. And later it was revealed that KG was basically like, do not wait. Don't make the same mistake I did. Yeah. Go take care of your legacy essentially. And so if you look at LeBron's entire course from that moment, it's really fascinating. Yeah. But here's the other thing that's really interesting is, okay, so the people with the Cavs didn't put a good enough team around him, and they didn't. Like, it was tough. There's Those teams were really good, but I, I get comparing his rosters since then to that one and being like, yeah, the Cavs probably could have done better. Um, he goes to Miami, and they get him Shane Battier and Ray Allen, along with Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh, Mike Miller, um, all of these guys that are Mario Chalmers. Mario was good. Mario yeah, hit some just, big shots. I just love saying his name. Um, and so, and, and he works in this organization that is successful that had already won a title and was already competitive and they win two titles mm-hmm. and LeBron's lesson from that is, okay, I figured it out. I can do it on my own now. Mm-hmm. Not, Oh, Hey, like this is how an organization needs to be run. Where like yeah. the people that are in charge of player development handle player development, the people that are in charge of player acquisition handle player acquisition, the people that are in charge of coaching handle coaching, and the players play the game with obvious input from the best yeah. players in the game. Like no one's arguing that LeBron. Remember, just LeBron up. also wanted Riley to come down and take Spolstra's spot, yes. which would have thrown the Miami Heat completely out of whack. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. So he takes all of that, and his conclusion is, "No, I can do it." Yeah. And he goes to Cleveland, and here's what's amazing. He does it because that's how good he is. Yeah. Like, you look at that Cavs roster, and honestly, you're just kind of like, okay. Like, yeah. Kevin Love, last year's second, sixth man of the year runner-up. And yeah. Kyrie, dot, 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 um, along with. And that was, like, the best versions of all of these guys. Right. And, and he makes it happen because of how singular, amazing, and incredible he is, but that also in turn makes him like validates the idea that the process was good. When in yeah. reality, it's just like, no, man, that's how amazing you're you just, are at basketball. Yeah. Like you are yeah. so good. You can, you can, you can handle the burden of you. Yeah. You are the own, the, your own burden and you manage to succeed despite yourself, which is absolutely incredible. And he goes to LA and in all honesty, like he kind of does it again. Yeah. Where like look, KCP's been traded twice. Or he has been traded since he, he got dealt. Right. Yeah. And like a lot of this is like I actually think that a lot of that, that 2020 team was pretty special from mm-hmm. the perspective of like I was never a Kuzma guy. And 2020, I was like, oh, he was hey, the best versions of themselves. Kuzma's really good. And then the next yeah. season, Kuzma was really good. And then the playoffs came and he didn't play. And I was like, what is happening? And I'm still kind of like, why? Why is everyone out on Kyle Kuzma now? Yeah. Um, but like all of these things occur, right? And so now that you're in this spot where you can argue, but like they made moves, and this and this clearly, and I know you talked about this on the show. This has clearly been the whole argument for, from ownership's perspective, which is like, wait, wait, why are you mad at us <laughs> for doing what you but you want it? Like why are you upset and wanting to tear things down because we did what you wanted? Why, yeah. why is that? 
it's not our fault. You made the wrong decision. Like that is the furthest end of player empowerment. And I do think that at some level, whether it's through CBA negotiations or whatever, um, I just think a cultural realignment will probably happen that that's going to have to be the, the law because there's only so much that people will put up with being held responsible for other people's mistakes. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think the best way I would put it is that star empowerment was on a certain trajectory pre LeBron with the Lakers and pre and especially pre Kyrie KD to the Nets. Cause at least the Lakers, like we can explain away how the tra- the, the championship happened, but they have the championship. There was a proof of concept and then they took that proof of concept and threw it out the window with, with the identity of that team's uh, with that, that team's identity. But I think that trajectory that star empowerment might've been on has now, I think plateaued. I think we are in, in this next CBA negotiation is going to be fascinating. Um, not just because of owners reactions to the star empowerment era, but also non-stars reactions to the star empowerment era. I, mm. I think a, a lot of these, and they make up a bigger part of the union. Now they don't have as loud a voice. Um, in this iteration of the union as they did a few years ago because there are more stars in key positions of the union but i think a greater chunk of the of the of the players union here more players are sitting here saying hey man i'm really sick of being traded and uprooting my family every three months because uh my contract is valuable enough to help star x accomplish what that star wants anytime that star decides that they want it. And I think it's going to be really interesting um, to see a union may not necessarily, or a union that might not necessarily be all that unified on this subject in particular. I think it'll be interesting in the CBA negotiations for how it plays out, but they'll be so behind doors and we'll see if anybody can really crack that. Because the other thing I think is uh, if you look at it, yes, these players want it being traded and uprooting their family because of these star player machinations, but guys also win titles and get new contracts yeah. because of these guys. Mm-hmm. And there's always kind of been uh, an understanding of the impact that the alpha has on everybody else. And once honestly, mm-hmm. this is like a big part of the young maturation process for players, the player like young players yeah. is a lot of them have to realize oh, I'm like, in a bigger pond now. Oh, I'm not the alpha that yeah. like that guy. That's that's the I'm just like here around him. Right. Yeah. Like I'm his Robin. I'm his, you know, role player. I'm not yeah. the guy. And so or I think Aquaman. Yeah, like- <laughs> right. Exactly. So yeah. I, I think there's a certain level of and also players have always because they're the only ones that understand what it's like to go through everything they go through it's why they stick up for each other in pretty, I'll say it, disgusting situations. Like they stand up for yeah. one another mm-hmm. because it's just like, nope, he's a player. And as a player, yeah. we're like the whole brotherhood thing. All no, players I think, are part of a, of a brotherhood. And so I, I was listening to a pod the other day uh, where a player cop to this specifically that the, you are never, ever, 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 ever to say anything that might mess with a player's money, period. Yeah. doesn't matter what that player did, what that player is accused of, how that player uh, operates behind closed doors. You are never to mess with the player's money. Yeah. And so, but, and then, 
I, I guess the thing here though is is do we really feel like there's not been situations where a team was going to resign a guy and the star player was like, you know, Caruso. It, yeah, wow, that's, weird. That's, that's probably <laughs> that's probably happened once or twice hypothetically. Yeah, and so you know that that changes the, like that stuff does go on, but again, it's all you know. I think there is an interesting dynamic between how star players don't want to be part of. Uh, an owner hierarchy, a team hierarchy. Um, rightfully so, I might add, because they're more important. Like I'll, I can say all this and talk about how important it is for people to be able to do their jobs. And yet like a key argument is just like, is Kevin Durant more important than Sean Marks? Yeah. That, yeah. This, this is not close. This is not, this is not debatable. This is yeah. not, there's no, this is an I, easy call for Josiah. If it, he really it, wants to keep Kevin Durant. It, if this was Masai Ujiri, I would say the same thing. Kevin Durant's more important than Masai Ujiri, and Masai Ujiri is probably the best executive in the NBA and one of the best executives in NBA Ever. history. <laughs> yeah, like there's all these guys that fit that bill. There's yeah. no, and they're never going to be more more important than these players. But the question is not about whether or not they're more important. It's about does the person who's most important get to decide everything? Is that the best way to accomplish your goal? But that's really what we're talking about here. It's not even, but like you talk about, if you make this into a moral argument, one, that's dumb. It's about what's the best approach to succeed yeah. at the thing that everyone's trying to do, which is to win, which right. makes everyone money. Well, that's that was, the thing. that's the response that I always get when I say, you know, cause I pointed out that players want responsibility, but they don't necessarily want to deal with the accountability that comes with that. Right. And the response is always, well, that's how owners and GMs have operated forever. And I, my one, my first response is not the good ones. And two, uh, those ones that there is a way to hold those guys accountable. And what we're finding out with these stars is that there isn't really a way to hold them accountable. If they say they want to be traded, they're going to get traded. And, and this is where this next CBA is going to be fascinating because I think eventually teams are just going to say like Joe Sai might just say, no, man, I have you under contract for four years. You want to hold out? You don't want to play? See, that's on you, bud. And honestly, I'm saying might. I wouldn't bet on it, but it's 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 no, a thing that I think we're heading towards. But we just saw it with Simmons. I go a further route, man. I go further on this, which is I get it, right? Because it's like you're going to lose money because of the ticket sales, and that's going to impact your bottom line, and then that's going to impact theoretically it has to impact like employees getting laid off. It shouldn't. You're all making billions of dollars. What are we talking about here? Yeah. But like that's that's what's going to happen. Um, I go further on this though, in that I'm like, look, the Spurs Popovich Kawhi situation is always going to be like extremely touchy. One of the things that's important to note is that the Spurs side of that story never got out. Yeah, the Spurs don't operate like that. The Spurs are like the Thunder did not drop the. Here's all the the, cra the crappy things KD did when he was here. Story right. never came. Just appreciate Kevin for everything he's given. He was amazing for this for this organization. It sucks that he's gone. Like yeah, that's that that's how they operate. But from the perspective of how the Spurs handled the Kawhi situation, it was very much like, no, like this we're not going to do this. We'll just move you. It's fine. Look, we'll just go do this. And then you can go do what you want. You can go in a year. You can sign with the Clippers and do whatever you want. Now, the counter argument to that is like, yeah, and look where the Spurs are now. They're set to be mm -hmm. one of the worst teams in the NBA this season. 
after they lost Kawhi. But a lot of this is like, yeah, if you lose the pl- the best player that you had, the be- the yeah. top five player in the league for nothing because of these events, you're going to go through the dark times. That's going to happen. But if I'm in the Nets situation, and I know this is easy for me to say, but I'm genuine, move on. Like, I would, I would, I would fire Steve Nash. I'd be like, Steve, I appreciate it, but we're going to go with the developmental coach. And I'm surprised would, Nash hasn't quit yet. He doesn't need this. Yeah, doesn't need it. Like, and I then I would be, I would be like, Sean, you did a great job rebuilding us with no assets last time. Guess what? You get to do it again. No yeah. trade. We got no picks. Good luck to you. Um, but you use bring KD back and, Kenny. <laughs> you, you use KD and Kyrie. Yeah. And you do whatever it is that you. Honestly, the like the path for this is not that complicated. And you would actually like this, which is you trade KD and Kyrie for Anthony Davis and that would Westbrook. Happen. Why? I mean, you know why? <laughs> so, yes and no, because I, look, I, I fully Zach Lowe has said on his podcast the Lakers are never trading Kawhi. It's been said like that's on record from Zach Lowe. That is as good as Kawhi or, or AD. AD, sorry, yeah. they're never trading AD. Like that's never happening, right? It's, yeah, that it's in it's in blood when Zach Lowe says something like that. Yeah, yeah. However. I have two years of comments I can show you about LeBron basically subtweeting Anthony Davis and being like, boy, yeah. it sure would be nice if someone was actually available to play. Mm-hmm. that could actually be on the court. No, I mean, and, there, if you're able, <laughs> and if you're able to make the argument, if you're able to make the argument of, okay, yeah, it's Anthony Davis, but yeah. it's Kevin Durant and Kyrie, and mm-hmm. we get rid of Russ. And if you're the if you're like why 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 would the Nets do this? It's because you can ship AD out and get back a ton of picks. Like you get back some yeah. of what you gave up in the Harden deal to the next team that wants Anthony Davis, and then you take the Russell Westbrook contract and you sit on it for two years, and then you use that money to take on contracts for extra draft picks, and that's how you rebuild. Like that path is not crazy to happen. This is all not going to occur. No. But my point here, my point here, is that to me. Like a better long-term approach in pursuit of the Nets' intention to win an NBA title, to compete, to be successful, the better option for them legitimately is to just move on. Yeah, I, I think, and that's. So I always, la- I always laugh at the idea, or I always laugh at the Lakers basically saying, "Man, it takes a special kind of uh, ineptitude to." have LeBron and AD on your team and still be fighting for the play in two years after winning a championship, like that level of ineptitude is special. And, and I think like another version of that here is it takes, you have to be a special level of difficult to work with to be as great as Kevin Durant is at playing basketball in a league where stars matter and especially at a position where wings matter more than any other player. So this guy is special at a special position at a special time for players, for special players at that special position. Um, and yet Sai is probably going to think about this. Sai is probably going to think long and hard, even after the KD drops that ultimatum. Like again, just like it takes a special level of, of ineptitude to screw up where the Lakers were two years ago, you have to be a, a uniquely annoying person to work with to be as talented as Kevin Durant is and still have his, his owner 
think about this long and hard about, but, Hey, do I do? And just, and not even, not even specific to Josiah either. How many, how many times have we heard that the nets haven't been blown away with offers for Kevin Durant? You know why that is? Yeah. Because a lot of these teams are sitting here saying he could do that to us. He yeah. could be this level of annoying with us. Yeah. So like, so I mean, it's that, wild. That, part of this though, I think is it needs to be, be clear. Um, if KD simply was like, look, I get it. Like he's my guy and I'll always be friends with them. But Kyrie saying that this year really did like it pretty he much did. ruined our, it ruined our yeah. season. So I get it. Like he's unhappy. Go ahead and move him. I'll play out my contract here and we'll see, you know, where, where it leads or at least say like, I'll give you a year. Can you tell me that if in a year, if we're not contending for a title that you'll move me and they'll probably be like, yeah, that seems fair. Like, yeah. That's, you know, we're going to separate you from your best friend that you signed here with. Um, we're going to trade him and bring in somebody else that you don't know. That's fair. Like that's a, to me, that's like an equitable proposition because people will be like, well, he's under contract for four years. Okay, sure. But I think it's okay to be like, you know what? Like we want to do right, but cause he did, he trusted in your organization before yeah. he destroyed it, but still he did trust in your organization before he ruined you. And so I think that there's like there, it, it would be reasonable to be like, okay, we're going to, we're going to move Kyrie and we'll see if like that really was the problem. I just do. I just think if you just, I think I don't even necessarily, because a lot of this, you can trace back a lot of this by every recorded indication is that the key dispute here is over Durant or is over Kyrie. Yeah. Like that's the issue here. And James Harden had them like walk here, away wondering about their yeah. commitment to basketball. Here, yeah, James here, Harden. Here's like a, a very like, here's a good way to put it. Durant is worth all of this. Yeah, Durant and Kyrie is not. Yeah, like if it's just like you got to put up with what KD wants and making sure he's happy and getting his like getting his friends on role player contracts and this that and the other or whatever. Okay, but when you have KD and then on top of it. You have to put up with. It's my birthday. I'll see you guys in two weeks. Yeah. When it's when it's I'm not gonna get this. I, I don't care about this. I'm not gonna get this vaccine. Screw you guys. Don't care what it does. Like that's once it becomes that level, then it's that to me is like the it really is the delimiter of. All right, KD is worth this. When it's you have to put up with the stuff that comes with KD because KD really is about basketball. Like I'll say that about him. Like every person that knows KD on a personal level says the guy loves basketball more than just about anyone in the world. I honestly, Anthony, I don't know if anyone in the history of the game has loved basketball more than KD. I'm serious. Like by every indication, that's yeah. true. He like, hops on Twitter to talk basketball with like random people. Some some people were more. Some people loved winning more. Yeah. Right, guy behind you. Like some people loved the game, uh, like the competition level, the thrill, the, the, all of these things, the money, the lifestyle, all of these things more, the institution of the NBA, even from like an honor conceptual perspective more, but just loving the game of basketball. I don't know that anybody else has ever loved it the way that KD does. However, however, that's undercut by basically being like, I'm willing to risk all of that for this guy, that guy. Yeah. That guy. Yeah. Um, all right, before we get out of here, uh, how do you think this plays out? Like, do you think do you think today was a step 
towards KD getting moved? Or yeah. Do you think this is a step towards, uh, hey, this is, so somebody made this point, and it's an interesting one. I don't know that I necessarily agree, but I think it's a fair one. And I'm sorry that I'm not giving you credit after seeing it on Twitter, but it's not necessarily a trade demand if you're telling your owner what it would take to stick around. Right? Yeah. So uh, I don't, I, look, the biased part of me wants to say that this is a step towards KD and Kyrie eventually getting moved. Even acknowledging everything that I said about Kyrie to this point, um, which says a lot about how little I enjoyed watching Russell Westbrook play basketball last year. But uh, I want to say this is a step towards KD getting moved, but I'm not necessarily positive. I am more confident he gets moved after today. And okay. the reason I would say that is there's two things that there's two things to consider here. One, players are a brotherhood, but owners are business partners. Yeah. And every other owner is on the phone, not probably on the phone, but making it clear through whatever mechanisms that they need to, to say, do not set the precedent that this player gets to determine whether yeah. you fire your coach right your before GM CBA negotiations or not. Now that's ha- coaches have gotten fired all the time because their star player didn't like them all the yeah. time. Happened in Memphis with Mark Gasol. Like Nash Mark deserves to be fired. Yes, <laughs> right. He wasn't good. And yeah. and and players have played a role in various GMs getting fired. Yeah, I I think you can draw a pretty reasonable line to that happening with the Blazers last year. Actually, mm-hmm. that there's like a that at least was definitely not something that Dame stopped. Right. Yeah. At the same time, it's very that ties into the second part by leaking this today you go the extra mile. Yeah. Like if you just, out there. if you just settle it and you make it known, like if you make it known to them, Hey, do this or I'm, I want out. And then they fire marks and Nash. Everyone's going to know why that happened, but you save the face of it being publicly known. And instead yeah. now you literally are caving to an extortion threat. Yeah. Like you're being held hostage by your star player who you have under contract. Yeah. And giving that kind of power up in the face of what has been known to be the owner's vociferous opposition to how all this has played out in the last couple of years, that threatens business relationships. And that's always going to come first, which is not to say that the other owners have any sort of mechanism against Cy. They'll be like, it's your team. You need to do what you you know, handle your business because I want to handle my business. Right. But... But you caving makes it more difficult for us to handle our business. Like, also, let's appreciate the balls on Kevin Durant to walk into a room with with a multi billionaire, yeah, and and be like, "You're gonna give me what I want," yeah, or else. I thought it was interesting and noteworthy that the leak today came from Shams. Yep, uh, Shams being more player and agent friendly. Mm-hmm. Then and Woj, his ties to Sean Marks are very clear and out there. Yep. So had this been leaked from Woj, I would have said, "Oh, this is interesting." The Nets are, are really thinking about are build, this. Are building? Well, no, I would say the Nets are building a like. If it comes from Woj, my my inclination is to say, "Oh, the next the Nets are laying the groundwork to where we had to trade and look what he did." Right. Right. But the fact that this was KD a full a full weekend after mm-hmm. the meeting that mm-hmm. happened, mm-hmm. Uh, this was this was clearly like, hey, I told him what I wanted. This isn't getting done here. This is what this is what I wanted. 
It's not done yet. I want to move on on this. I want to know where I'm going to be next year. And I, I want to be able to direct my, the direction of this next step of my career. Um, so I think all of this was, was, was very fascinating. I've taken up more than an hour of your time. Um, you wanted to plug the Action Network app. Is there anything specific on there? Why should I download, re-download the Action Network app? You get more of my beautiful face. That's Ooh. why we have a new media center. All of our videos and podcasts are in there. I host a bi-weekly podcast in the off-season, five days a week during the season called Buckets. It's about betting the NBA. We've got stuff on there about most improved players coming out this week. We're doing MVP on Friday. We're doing Defensive Player of the Year. We've got Defensive Player of the Year already out there. All sorts of stuff getting you set for the season. I'm doing win totals analysis on all 30 teams, the case of the over, the case of the under, all of that kind of stuff. Uh, you're not going to find better betting content than on Action Network and the Action Network app. And if you want to hear more, with. if you want to hear more of my NBA takes, you've got Locked On NBA. You can check out that podcast. I'm on every Monday. Uh, great opportunity to listen to me more there, as well as on buckets. And if you want takes on the Nuggets, you can also find me on Locked On Nuggets. There you go. Um, yeah, the Action Network stuff is great. I I cannot uh, more definitively. I was, I was, I was stand ready. up for, I was stuff. ready. I was, we can do this another time. And you have me back on. I was ready to bet the Lakers over being like, you know what? LeBron and AD that's 50 wins. That's 50 wins. LeBron and AD. I don't care who else is on the roster. And then Yovan put out that graphic about <laughs> who the starting five, the closing five would be. And I was like, just like well, <laughs> delete bet in bet slip slowly <laughs> log out. Maybe, maybe not. Let's see how the rest of this offseason goes. And like, I think a bet on the Lakers over is a bet that they get Kyrie. Kyrie. Yeah. That's the bet. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's going to do it here for this episode of the Anthony Irwin Show. Thank you very much, Matt, for hopping on and being as flexible as you have been, as always. Uh, make sure you guys, so we have a quick scheduling note. No spaces tomorrow. I will be instead doing that on Thursday as Harrison is enjoying his second honeymoon. Um, second. Yeah, Harrison, I'm putting your shit out there. Um, so enjoy that on Thursday. Taco Tuesday guys are going to be uh, regularly scheduled on Tuesday. For everything else, it'll remain the same. So until next time you guys hear from me, I'm Anthony Irwin. Uh, thank you guys for listening. <laughs>